This is Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wilde. Welcome to another episode of Agent Provocateur. I'm Alan Walsh with Adam Wilde. Hello. How are you, Adam? I'm good, Alan. Looking forward to today's episode. So am I. So am I. Uh, Our guest this week was the 10th overall pick in the 1986 NHL draft. He played approximately 600 games in the NHL with six different teams, including the Montreal Canadiens, Chicago Blackhawks, and St. Louis Blues. He's working currently as an analyst with the French language RDS network in Quebec. Please let's all give a big welcome to Jocelyn Lemieux. We have a huge audience here. All of us are clapping. Hi. Welcome, Jocelyn. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's great to have you on. And uh, I'd, I'd like to begin by giving a little background uh, mm-hmm. before uh, we jump right into this. So last year on this podcast on Agent Provocateur, we had on as a guest Chris Nowinski, Uh, the executive director of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, to talk about his work, um, uh, his passion, uh, uh, how he came to become the executive director of the CLF. Um, He discussed uh, CTE and the latest uh, research uh, and medical studies that have been published, research studies, on uh, CTE, and he also talked about various treatment and ways that they are, as a foundation, going forward trying to help people who may suspect they're suffering with CTE. And as a follow-up to that episode, um, we received a message, uh, and I'm going to read a portion of the message here. I want to say a big thank you to the Agent Provocateur podcast and particularly Alan Walsh for putting out content that can genuinely help people. After listening to the last episode with Dr. Nowinski, I was really shaken by the information I digested to the point that I felt the need to have a serious discussion with my dad about the near certain damage he sustained playing 600 games in the NHL. After taking in the episode, I realized that I've seen patterns that sound a lot like the issues discussed with regards to CTE. I sent him the episode. He listened to it. He called me and we cried together talking about it. He immediately made a doctor's appointment to address our concerns and was prescribed medication to help with some of the symptoms. He's now advocating to former teammates and friends who have played contact sports to get educated on CTE and get help. Already one more person has followed the signs and is now getting help. This is all in the span of one week. The urgency and change in approach was immediate, and I think it has a lot to do with the credibility of Alan and Dr. Nowinski. It wouldn't have been possible without the SDPN, though. I have two kids now, and I need my dad to be around for them. He's my hero. Now, Jocelyn, after we received this message, we did a little detective work. And we were able to identify that um, you were most likely the dad that this, the writer of this message um, had sent us. And the, the writer's name was Josh. And uh, uh, after identifying that you were the likely person he was talking about, I was able to get your cell number and reach out to you, and you and I had uh, uh, a rather lengthy conversation 
about some of the things you were experiencing and how I and other people could possibly help with what was going on. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, my. Um, it's amazing. You know, here we are. All, and I have to say already because so much has changed. Um, and one thing is he's now a dad of a third kid. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, uh, Olivier, a little boy, um, is now now uh, part of the family. So, but yeah, I mean it, it's it is quite amazing how much has changed and and very very quickly and and basically because of let's be honest the alarming message that that I heard it, it was alarming when I. When I when I start, started to really understand that there are different levels and and where it could lead, you know, I, I started evaluating myself at a certain point, and that was it was just flat out scary, yeah, just scary. And so I was I was I was amazed that you reached out, extremely thankful. Well done on digging in and, and identifying who I was. <laughs> and uh, it just shows, you know, for, for people out there, when, when, when you are a person that wants to make a difference, there's, it's not impossible. I mean, you went all the way to try to identify me. You called me. One thing led to another, and, and, and here I am today doing extremely well and and I would dare to say that I'm probably a changed person. Wow. By a lot. Wow. Can can we go back and talk a little bit about your career? You played mm-hmm. 600 games in the NHL. How many concussions do you think you had over the course of your career? Um this 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 whole experience had has led me to think deeply, and I think total probably about a dozen, but hockey related maybe six or eight. But you know, back back in the day, going down and seeing lights are are completely blacking out and coming back, and I mean. Let's be honest. There's one game I'm playing for Hartford, and I start going to the wrong bench. Now, if that was not a concussion, um, <laughs> explain that one to me. I'm I'm trying to get on the bench, but it's the wrong bench. Now, did somebody ever mention concussion? No. So, a lot of times, I we call that I got re- I got dinged. I mean, I got you know. I'm lightheaded, but, you know, I'll be fine. No, I have had very serious ones that I that were diagnosed. And it's it's all the other stuff that's not diagnosed that's very difficult to keep track of. But it's just as dangerous and painful and damaging, right? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. the research has found that mm-hmm. while concussions are certainly a factor, uh the the causation of neurodegenerative diseases like CTE uh, very much come from the accumulation of repetitive head impacts, which don't come close to rising to the level of concussion. Now, over the course of 600 games in the NHL and all the games you played before you got to the NHL, how many times do you think you've had a blow or an impact to the head? Many times. I mean, there are games that I had, I had an elbow to the jaw, and it feels like your ears are bleeding because your jaw jams in, right? And then you don't think of it as a concussion. You're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm having issues right here. But if the jaw jams in to where it really affects your ears, that's pretty severe. Yep. 
So, yeah, there's been, I've had a lot of those. I mean, of course, with that chin sticking out. And the other thing is, um, I was not, I'm still not very tall. So I, I was, I was shorter. They calling a bowling ball or, or a human cannonball because I was shorter and, and stocky and, and I hit people extremely hard because I came from very low. So my, I had a very good technique to in, in hitting other players because I, I came in low and exploded. Well, you're exposing yourself because you you end up being extremely low. So I, I had a lot of elbows to the jaw simply because you're coming at that height. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I, there were, there were many occasions where, you know, you look around like, Hmm, I, this kind of feels like deja vu here. It's, you it, look around on the bench like, hmm, okay, when did I get here? But then you keep playing. Now, you, had one, you had one concussion yes. that was very severe. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about that? That's probably the one that, that just opened everything up for the Canadian Concussion Center study is because how severe it was. And so... Um, pre-game skate, I'm with Chicago, the Blackhawks, we're in St. Louis, and we're doing this little morning skate, a drill that's very simple, but you know what happens when you got two fourth liners doing a drill together? Well, you know, Stu Grimson ends up being on the wrong side of the ice, and here I, uh, I was skating with my head down as usual, and I just collided with him. Now, he, him being much taller and bigger, my head hit him in the chest, my helmet, my helmet not being tied down, flew off. I'm knocked out, standing up, and players told me that when I went down, my head bounced like a ball on the ice. So I ended up getting a tripod fracture, the impact being over here, and, and, and two more cracks. So it could have been, if it was harder, maybe the, this whole piece would have moved, but um, I ended up needing surgery to, to fix the... Uh, nasal area and saw a double for about two weeks. And, and then the, the long-term effect from that one is I, I had no idea what left and right was for years. I, I had to remind myself that I was a left-handed hockey player, so left is here. Wow. Kid you not. Kid you not. And then, of course, came neck issues and headaches and and, and then all, all the funny stuff that comes with it. So um, how were, would you classify the treatment you received from trainers and doctors when you played in the NHL, when you uh, had a concussion or when you um, saw stars, didn't uh, yeah. feel right? Um, what kind of information were you given and uh, how were you treated? I'm going to be very blunt and it's, it's nobody's fault. That's just what it was. Pathetic. Just one word for it. The one concussion that was somewhat severe, I'm with Chicago, just landed in Chicago as a new player. We go to Winnipeg and I'm talking about elbow to the chin, I go in the corner, get hit, I come back to the bench, and I'm looking around, and the trainer comes over and says, are you okay? I said, when, when did I start playing for this team? Like, no idea where I was. Well, you know where we are? And of course, in Winnipeg, the, the, uh, the, the big, the, the, the giant a picture of the queen. Right. Right. You remember that? In the old arena. Sure. So I thought, oh, that, that was my way to cheat. That, Winnipeg. Wow. What's the score? What period? No idea. So I stay on the bench and go to the locker room in between periods. And then they leave me there alone in the locker room, sit on the medical table. And at one point, one guy walks in. I, I think I remember. I think it was Troy Mary that was not playing. And I, I was panicking. Like, why am I here? Where am I? 
what is going on? They left me alone, which is the complete opposite of what you should do, right? Right. And then that night, of course, he, Troy being my roommate had to, you know, keep me awake and wake me up every few hours. But talk about even people taking care of us, being in charge, had no idea. It's not their fault. Mm-hmm. We just weren't there. But that was scary as heck. And and and, then and do, you, that, do you think your your experience is unique, or is this the way all no. the players were treated and what all the players went through? I never heard any different. Not at all. I mean, and then on top of that, guys, the game the game ends. You go to the hotel. Your roommate, your roommate's in charge of making sure you stay awake or that he wakes you up every few hours. Then you get on the plane the next day, and then you just go practice. So how are you feeling today? Oh, I got a major headache. You know, I'm not feeling that well. Oh, okay, we'll see. There was no protocol. Nothing was in place. I mean, we're talking about in early '90s mm-hmm. with Chicago when I got there, and then. Even worse, when I got my really major one in St. Louis, I spent the night, got on the plane the next day, went back home, and then my my wife at the time picked me up at the airport and just brought me to the next hospital. <laughs> so flew home, and then you just go check yourself in the next the next hospital. And, and so, no, I mean, it, I can't say that I. I um, hold grudges against anybody or anything, but that was just the way it was. But perhaps my feelings are different now, um, looking at how everything is going and perhaps how the league is responding to what was caused back then and not wanting to own it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, fast forward, uh, many years in your life mm-hmm. and uh, maybe up to a couple of years ago, what long-term effects do you think you were experiencing uh, related to, um, you know, the head impacts and concussions you received as a player? Mm-hmm. I, I believe the one thing that started be that it's, became very um, obvious. And and thinking back, now I now I understand and I realize it's, it has been going on for a very long time, is when I would get upset, it seems like I, you know, I could just never snap out of it. And then you get this feeling of being upset about something and then you get more frustrated about the way that you're feeling and you don't understand why you're so out of it and it just keeps going. You're, 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 you're mad at being mad, right? Mm-hmm. So these, these events took place when, unfortunately, and luckily, I ended up having my son with me for about eight years and I had to make some serious adjustments. So... You know, you're learning. You're learning to be a, a father full time, and learning about business. When I was, I became a sales rep for Oakley at the time. So a lot of pressure, a lot of, a lot of very uncomfortable situations. And I don't do very well when I'm uncomfortable. But I, the unknown doesn't suit me very well at all. And so all these situations bring you to where you feel like you're so stressed, and then when you snap, it's completely out of control. And unless you have somebody there to calm you down and to maybe tell you it's not as bad as you think, which is what I have in my life now, the lady in my life now is doing incredibly well at just calming me down. To just calm down, it's, it, it's okay, it's not the end of the world, which is a complete opposite of what I had before. So, you know, that's, that's when I realized at one point, I asked myself, what, what is going on? Why is it that I'm, I just can't, I mean, lack of a better term, I just can't snap out of it. 
you would, if, I could get up in the morning pissed off and be that way all day for no reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing said, nothing done, just, just in a bad mood and just, here we go, another bad day. Adam? Well, Jocelyn, I think, first off, one of the things that struck me that you said earlier is that by NHL standards, you were sort of a smallish guy. I looked up your height, you're 5'11", which is exactly how tall I am. So I can imagine, uh, it's funny how um, how much your height plays into it. But I, I, I want to ask you on the on the moods, on the, on the things that you, you noticed affecting you on, off the ice, what kind of effect do you think that had on your career and on your family? Um, if anything, it was probably good for my career because I was extremely aggressive and I played a very physical role. So it, it had, the only thing it probably had was, and I, 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 I always felt like I needed to get away from everybody. So the long road trips were not good for me. I would, I would tell the guys, I'll just stay in for room service and, and leave and go do something on my own. But that's part of my personality probably, but sometimes just too many people all the time. I just need to get away. Family is where I, it had a major effect. Um, I can't imagine what it was like to be alone with me, uh, for my son to be alone with me for all these years and, and dealing with my ups and downs and, and, outbursts and everything else then you know this this the last relationship was probably the most significant um factor in in making me go very deep and trying to find answers um now okay i i i looked I looked at myself and I took it upon myself and I put all the blame on me. Was it a one way street? We all know it's not right. But mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that I took it that hard and, and I identified myself as the main reason why it wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. But hockey, no hockey was, it's probably, it's a, it's a good thing. It was very aggressive. I wouldn't have right. I wouldn't have lasted that long if I was not, right? Right. Now Jocelyn, I, I I've talked over the years with many, many players, former players who are retired, and uh they experience uh memory issues, mm-hmm. um mood swings, um mm-hmm. where they can go from um, having a normal day to something very innocent happening and completely snapping and unable to get out of that. Um, they uh, have uh, other issues related to, um, you know, dizziness, headaches, uh, and all kinds of things like that. Um, and the resources now are a lot better than they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Tell us how and who you reached out to after watching the podcast last year yeah. and what it was like beginning to get treatment. Well, um, first it was Chris that I got in touch with because of you, Alan. Um, he went over some options in the States um, different different places that I that I could have gone, and then, but he but he, then he said, well, you are in Montreal, and there there is this new um, person with the NHL alumni, and that, you know I'm very thankful. The alumni has done great things for me. When I first retired, they had they had this life after hockey career transition program. And I was one of the first guys to jump in and, and do it to identify what I could do next with my life. And so I, I had done that with them. When I reached out to Wendy McCreary, you probably know her with the uh, the alumni, right. wonderful people. Um, wonderful. I was I was made aware that they had a person in charge and they had developed this program with the group at the Canadian Concussion Center in Toronto. So I thought, well. Yeah, that sounds great. I'm in. You know, yeah, of course, I had to 
go to Toronto for a couple of days, but you know, everything just got connected quickly. You reached out out of nowhere. You call me and I'm like, what? Like, who am I for Alan to reach out to me? Little me. Right. And then, and I, and then I get in touch with, with Chris and then the NHL alumni and then with, with the people with the uh, concussion center in Toronto. And so by the time that they said, okay, we want you in this study because of probably this very major uh, concussion I had with, with skull fracture, my age group and everything else, it made sense. Then I, I became very, very anxious and eager to get there. And I kept harassing them, like, when can I go? When can I go? And, and a lot of people were, were, were telling me, why are you doing this? Are you doing this just to try to save the relationship? Or, and I said, no, no, no. I'm doing this because this guy needs it. I need answers, right? At some point, when you're you're maybe honest and humble enough to to kind of expose yourself, which that's what it is, right? You you need to ex- expose it and and accept it. And then I was like, okay, this is not happening fast enough. I want to get there. I want I want answers. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how it all happened pretty darn quick. So what was it like for you when you went to the Canadian concussion center and met Mm -hmm. with the doctors? Um, Talk to us a little bit about that whole process. Well, they're very good at telling you, um, letting you know what to expect. And it's, it's very intense. It's two full days of all kinds of testing. Um, The, um, the, the mental part of it, I mean, they, it's visual, it's, it's everything you can imagine. You absolutely have to just give yourself without any limit. And the one thing is, if there's one time you need to be honest with your answers, it's the time to do it. Like when they're, when yeah. they're doing little tests. Like there's no guessing game here. If you don't know the answer, you you don't know the answer, right? And, and that's that's very difficult. There's no pretending. You just and, and and that's that's the only thing they ask. You're in. We're taking care of everything, but no holding back here. And so you you lay it out, and and as soon as I got there, the just like that, determine, okay, well, you're slowly snapping out of a pretty deep depression. And that's one thing is CTE exposes the risk to depression. Yes. And then mm-hmm. the dummy that I was, you know, Canada legalized uh, cannabis. And then some friends of mine said, you should try this. You'll sleep much better. And, and you know, maybe this could calm you down. Well, duh. There's one thing you don't need to do when you're depressive is to take cannabis that will even that will get you even lower. So as soon the very first meeting, the very first day, Dr. Tartaglia said, first thing we're doing, no more of that. We're cutting all that out. And and you're you're cutting back on alcohol by a lot. <laughs> now I had started doing that prior, but cannabis is one that I said, okay, well, what do I do? You know, I don't sleep very well. Let's go natural. So I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just taking natural stuff now and I'm fine. But talk about doing the complete opposite of what you, you need. I needed upper and I was taking downers. Not good. Crazy. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about some of the tests that they that they did um, with you. Um, what's the uh, psychometric, right? Yeah. Psychometric test. That was heavy. <laughs> that was long, and you know, like very simple tests. Um, I am extremely visual. So I basically, when, when they gave me my reports, they said, okay, let's make, let's get something straight. The, the, the group, 
that you belong to. So within that group, so age, height, size, maybe amount of damage, concussions that I've had. So they kept, they were very specific. In that group, I am way over average visually. And that's, it, pro it probably helps me with being a hockey analyst, right? I notice things a lot of people don't. Right. And it's also my personality, but it's also a tool that I've developed because verbally, I don't, I don't register quite as well. I don't have that short-term memory when we're talking. But overall, the very best thing is, I think to me that was the most significant test, which probably explains why I've been, I've been functional with, with sales. Um, and explain, it also explains why I'm extremely structured. Um, it drives my superiors crazy because I'm, I'm just extremely detailed and structured. And for me, it's the only way to work. Otherwise, I get nervous. I'm afraid of making mistakes, right? So to me, that was very significant when they said nothing alarming. In that in that part, and, and in fact, all the tests came back nothing nothing alarming. So there is the R signs. Yes, I'm part of that group that is affected, but the, the way that I'm functional and, and the steps that I've taken to to give myself a better better shot at being happy, right? Better chance of being healthy. Um, I'm, I'm very glad that he came back somewhat normal, <laughs> somewhat normal. I'm, so, that, so I'm saying there's a chance, but you know, I, you know I, I actually had a lot of fun with all these visual tests and, and, and you need to keep your eyes on the ball. And I you know I, I had fun with everything that was visual. I had a lot of fun. Everything that was trying to figure, fig, figure something out. It was a blast. Can't say it was that much fun doing the, the scans, laying on the table for two hours and and punctual uh, lumbar, what's it called? Lumbar, lumbar puncture? Yeah. That what yeah. it is? Yeah. I mean, it, they just do everything, right? And then it made sense because at the end of, in two years, we will redo everything just to compare. So it's a commitment. It's not a one-time deal, right? I've signed off, and I've signed off basically for life. I will need to keep going. And 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 the, when I mentioned earlier, they, they, they take care of all the tests. And even some, some expenses to get there and everything. But you don't listen to what they tell you to do. If I didn't quit, cannabis and if I was not on board there's no going back and then of course they get my brain right at the end of the day right and and brain donation yes. and brain donation especially for um, people who played contact sports uh, is a very important part yeah. of the overall research that is done. And as you well know, uh, uh, many uh, retired players uh, who have passed away uh, mm -hmm. had their brains donated and analyzed for CTE. And uh, most recently, uh, such legends like Henri Richard and right. Stan Mikita have both been found to have CTE in their brains. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was discovered posthumously. Both had what was diagnosed as severe dementia or Alzheimer's uh, in the later stages of their life. And now we know what the cause was. Yeah, I mean, it, um, since, I've been, since I've been made aware of all this, right, and really digging in and being being on top of things, it's amazing the amount of stories that have come out since uh, I've gone to get myself tested. And so, of course, 
have have all the tests fixed anything? Absolutely not. But it's given me the knowledge and the reassurance that that I know I'm I'm fine <clears throat> for now. <laughs> but also giving me guidance on on what to what to focus on and what to avoid, and more importantly, what to avoid. If I'm not I'm not comfortable doing something. If I if I'm if I have a feeling I shouldn't be doing it, then it's better that we don't do it, right? right. So it's given me a, a great amount of knowledge to myself, but let's not forget people around me. Because there's one there's not a there's another thing that we need to do. It's one thing for myself to open up to this situation, to this condition. It's one thing for me to know how to maybe manage myself. But the best thing I did was to let everyone around me know. So they can help me. They can recognize, hmm, he's he's getting a little bit out of control, but we know what to do. That's extremely important too, right? You, your support network is very important. Yeah. And you, but if people don't know, when people don't know, they don't know how to react. So it's more than just myself knowing. It's the fact that it, it's, it's not the easiest thing to let everybody know about certain situations that are embarrassing at times. Mm-hmm. But by them knowing really makes a big difference. Adam? Well, I, I, I wonder what, what sorts of things do you tell your network of friends? Like, what do you say to them? Uh, hey, look out for this or look out for that. How does that conversation go? Well, I'll give you an example. We were, um, we were taking a trip. And, uh, you know, I, I just felt like, actually... Marie Chantal, my now fiance, and I were going to visit Josh in Austin. And my parents were at my house to take care of the dogs while we were away. And so I had to get my parents situated. I had to finish a lot of work before leaving. I had to get the trip organized. And at one, at one point in the house, I said, okay, please. Oh, you need to stop. I'm overheating here. I am. I feel. I feel overwhelmed. There's a lot I need to do. I'm sorry, but just everybody, just stop talking to me because I, I'm just focusing on everything that needs to be done before leaving. Okay. So, because I recognized that I was, I was facing this situation where it, I was getting out of control, I was able to actually warn them. Huh. Wow. And, and them know, knowing, they said, okay, let's, let's, let's leave them alone. Right. Right. That's, you know, like people, like if people just keep contradicting, at some point I say, okay, you need to, you need to stop. Okay. Stop insisting because it's this is not going to end well. Mm-hmm. So you recognize the signs, and, and I, I haven't had a blowout. I haven't had one out of control burst in I don't know nine months. Wow! Amazing, amazing. The moment I became aware of the signs, it's helped me. Get this little little guy over here saying, "Calm down." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Get Jocelyn. I don't. You know, nobody nobody likes when, and we all are. We all do it. Uh, we all have blown up at people, especially the people that we love. So when I yeah. ask this question, it's not to uh, dive deep into things that probably are quite uncomfortable. But was that something that you were known for? Like, is that something, oh, you know what, love him, but he is prone to blowing up. Would you, do you think that you're, if, if we got your family in a room without you in it, is that what they might say about you? 
see this? <laughs> what do you think the answer is? <laughs> I'm assuming yes. <laughs> but you know what's amazing is that you're 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 sitting here and you're being honest about it. That for a lot of people is a point of shame. But in you coming out and saying this and recognizing where a lot of it comes from and and why it's happening and doing something about it is such a commendable thing. And I just I want you to know that because it's very very hard for people to be honest about that. I guess I had uh, I had to get down to you know deep enough to just let go of. Pride is a good thing and pride is a nasty thing. And so when it comes down to wanting to better yourself, you take pride and you shove it, you know where, right? <laughs> I mean, you have no choice. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you want things to get better, you, you got to stop looking outside and you got to look in. And, and so, yeah. Trust me, I was as fed up with it as people around me. Right. Right. Now, Jocelyn, there must be a a big network of former players that you communicate with on a regular basis. Have you shared your experiences with them going to the Canadian Concussion Center, uh, reaching out and, and asking for help? And, and being knowledgeable now of what resources are available, because we know there's lots of former players struggling. Have, mm-hmm. have you become uh, a resource in giving people who played the game advice on things that they might consider doing? There's only one there's only one way to become that person is to is by by showing a result. You can't you can't start knocking on doors and calling people until you have achieved something, right? Mm-hmm. So the, because these people in, in Toronto are extremely busy, I have to be honest, the results took longer than I was hoping. So before you get the results, to 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 be able to say yes, okay, I I am diagnosed. I just, I didn't make it up. It's, it's pretty much impossible to have a concussion with a skull fracture like I had without having side effects, right? Let's be honest with that. But you can't be, you, you can't start preaching when your life is still backwards or upside down. So now that, now that, Things are much better, and people are starting to realize that, heck, my girlfriend finds me funny. That's the first. People around me are saying, hey, you're just, you're lighter. Um, I have lost weight, but, (laughs) you know, things are just lighter. I'm I'm having more fun. Um, I had much better, much better time playing golf. I mean, it's. Things just get overall much lighter. And, and so now people are noticing, and perhaps that's why there was just this, this article um, with on the RDS uh, website platform. And, and that, that is one testimony that, that just came out that people are talking about quite a bit. So, right. so I have so- reached out to some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, I think I, I wanted to be careful and I wanted to get real details, real reports before really starting to, to talk to more people about it. Now, you, you mentioned that uh, RDS and the article that came out uh, this week that was posted on their website along yeah. with an interview that was also there's some video uh, as part of the uh, publications release. What motivated you to want to do that? It's not me. It's it's Adrienne Barbeau that I work with with RDS. She's a host. Yep. Um, great great female host. She knows hockey inside out. She's very very talented. We've been doing hockey games. Uh, 
mostly senators games for a few years now. So, you know, we, we have a great relationship and part of being this open guy, I was sharing everything pretty much with her and she took an interest and she always asked and followed up. And then just last week asked me if I would, I would agree to do this. And I thought, well, yeah, it's, Great, and she did. She did very well. It's very well written and, and yes. very well done. So I'm glad. I'm glad we did it. And I've had a lot of comments from my workplace, from from everywhere. People reaching out. So you know, I'm not going to go um, knock on doors, but anybody interested? Uh, do I have an interest? To talk about it, absolutely. Am I a believer? You betcha. Will I do everything I can to help others? I'm more than ready to do that. But now that the results came back, now that my life is in order, now that I'm a happy guy again, and sometimes you got to wait until that circle closes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Uh- Jocelyn, I'm, I'm curious about all because of you guys. Because well, Alan, uh, Alan and Chris, um, Alan being so passionate about it. I, uh, Jocelyn, I think one of the things that you know, and I would say this with therapy as well. There's a, and, and and any sort of illness really. There are sometimes are fears and anxieties associated with finding out what you know might already be there. Right, looking under the hood and going, oh my gosh. You know, what do you say to somebody who may be in your position? They don't have to be a hockey player. It could be somebody who no. suffered a couple severe concussions, snowboarding, or, you know, in a car accident, or however, mm-hmm. the myriad other ways. And they are listening to you right now, and they are, or what they're watching you, and they're relating to what you're saying. What do you say to them when that fear enters them and they go, you know what? I just don't want to know. Why is it worth it? Oh, yeah. Uh, you should absolutely want to know and, and do all the all the testing and research because it's when you're messing with that with the brain. I mean, it's it's just it's just too dangerous. Um, you know, there was a time that I I kind of knew, and, and and someone had mentioned to me, you know, from what I hear, you have all the symptoms, and but. It, the problem was, my answer was, well, there's nothing out there. I mean, what am I? What, what would you like me to do about it, mm-hmm. right? Before all these programs were put together and all these studies, and now some there are there 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 is therapy and treatments that are solutions, there are options. Now that it's out there and people are more aware of it, there is no reason not to get the answers because having answers sure beats just thinking and, and, and maybe doubting that there's something going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of guy that needs to know and I'm glad I found out much better that way. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Can't go back in time and undo what's done, mm-hmm. but there's there's a great future ahead, and I, I just I think I think that uh, I I I, not, I don't think I know I'm I'm extremely grateful for my son having the courage <laughs> to bring it up, and uh, and then and then Alan reaching out and voila. He, so let's say, Jocelyn, that there are some former players watching this podcast right now. I know you said you don't want to go bang on doors, but do you have a message to them if there's somebody out there right now who is struggling through uh, their daily lives? And is there a message that you would want to give them right now if they're listening? Basically, what I've told some people that that – their answer was, yeah, I should. Well, no, do it. I should. I mean, it's easy, right? Yeah, I should look into that. 
No, I mean, you, you, you have to be responsible. And the thing is, think about more than just yourself. More than just yourself. Because trust me, it, it affects more than just yourself. So at some point, just think outside the box a little bit and stop saying, I should. And just get your butt off that chair. And, and uh, it's easy now. It's easy now with, with technology, with the internet, with make a phone call and, and, and do it. I know a lot, a lot of former players, and they, they won't. They won't see it for what it is, but they need it. Yes. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. Yeah. Well, Justin, you've not, been... And it, go, go ahead. Enough, it's not easy to say, I've had enough. Like, I like beer, right? I love beer, and I love strong beer. You know what I do? I start the night with a really good, strong one. And then I work my way down to non-alcoholic. I, I, so at some point, it's okay to say, no, thank you. I've had enough. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Alan? It's you, okay. You, you know, Justin, you've been incredibly generous with your time. And uh, I really thank you for coming on our podcast and, and sharing your experiences with us. I feel very grateful that you've gone and, and done this and fortunate. And, and let me just say this. The message that your son wrote said mm -hmm. that you were his hero. And that really resonated with me when I read those words, because in my life, my father was my hero. Mm -hmm. And when I read, my father is my hero, that connected with me instantly. And, uh, you know, you, you're an amazing father to have a son who refers to you as his hero. And uh, I'm so thankful that we connected and thankful that you on your own took the initiative after we connected to uh, speak to people, actually travel to Toronto, uh, go through all the testing, and, and you have no idea how happy you made me when you sent me a message recently telling me how well you are doing in your life and you used a word uh, that I, I just, when I, when I heard you say, Alan, I'm happy in my life right now. Right. Uh, it just warmed my heart. So, well, so thank you, you for can, doing what you did. I, I appreciate you saying everything you're saying, but no need to, ever thank me ever again because it's all it's all right back at you man all right well we're gonna stay in touch you can yeah, count on it do. you can count on yeah. it and uh and thank you again for joining us here today and sharing your story this has been Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh and Adam Wilde. Follow Alan Walsh on Twitter at Walsh A. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching Agent Provocateur and hitting the subscribe button. YouTube.com slash SDPN.